Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. I get this morning the opportunity to preach to you the last and final part of the series we've been in called This Is That. Um, before we get into that, I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles and we're going to continue this to make our declaration. Many of you hold them up high so I can say, Who all's got their Bibles this morning? Listen, I, listen, I love it. I love to hear pages rattling. That's just me. I don't know. Call me old school, whatever you want to. But let's make our declaration. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My my heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That means so be it. So thankful for the Word of God this morning. Um, this third part of this series is called the impartation. This is the way that I actually already had this plan. And for those of you that have been praying for Pastor Eddie, continue to pray for them. Uh, this past Monday, his mom went home to be with the Lord, and uh, we were able to be there with her. One of one of those that's been said, they were able to be her with we, be there with her when she went home to see Jesus. And so um, we're we're actually having the funeral this afternoon at at, at two o'clock there at Shackleford's. It's probably going to be pretty packed as it is, but but hey, that's just the impact that precious lady uh, had. And if you uh, the the, the visitation will be from 12 to 2, and we'll start the funeral at 2 o'clock. So just continue to pray for him and the family. They've all come in from all over the U.S., and, and so people have been praying for him since July. Don't stop. And even after, continue to pray. He is our lead pastor and our visionary uh, over this ministry. And I'm very thankful to call him my pastor. And he speaks into our lives. He prays over us. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm very, very, very thankful for him. Um, but if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. I'm actually going to go a few different places. But Acts chapter 2, we'll read this first and then we'll jump into Acts 2, 4. And then 1 Corinthians 14, we're going down a list. But you, you won't be short on the word this morning, I promise. Acts 2, verses 15, and I'm going to read this from uh, the, the New King James. says this, it says, For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is that. This is what, this is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And if you know what that's a referencing to, it's a referencing to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts chapter 2, Acts 1, Jesus tells his disciples, go and wait and tarry in Jerusalem. It's the only time that we hear him telling, go wait for the Holy Spirit. All right? And they go in, they, in this upper room, and they wait, and they prayed continually. Not continuously, but continually. Continually means that they would leave uh, time, and, time and again, in and out, and they would come in, and, but they were in a constant, steady pr uh, state of prayer. And then Acts 2.1 says that 
the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came, and the, it was like divided tongues that set up on each of them, and they began to speak with tongues as the Holy Spirit empowered them or gave them the ability. And Peter is giving in response to what took place in the outpouring in verse 15 through 16. And the Bible in Acts 2 verse 4 says, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit enabled. Now, today... I hope that you, when I begin to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that you allow me just a few moments of your time. If you struggle with this doctrine and thought and topic, especially in the book of Acts, that you would give me some time to be able to talk to you about what this is. Many of you, when we, heard, when we started talking about tongues, you immediately put up a wall and you said, yep, that's as far as you go. I'm going to sit and honor the word, but after this is over with, I'm out. I'm not going to allow anything to change. Listen, there's going to be an opportunity to be filled, but, my, but, I, but what I want to do is I want to talk to you and hopefully help you to understand from Scripture that why would God give us something so powerful and so potent to the early church and think that this church in this day doesn't need it just as much as they needed it? Why would he recant and pull something back that was still meant to transform and to change lives? It's not the end all, okay? It's not the end all, but is it an endowment of power? It's, it's the enablement to become an empowered witness. That's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is about. Read the scripture. It's not about having this ecstatic encounter. Those things happen with that. It's not about having this ecstatic encounter. It's about being endued with power to witness to the world. I love this thought process. One of my favorite generals in the faith said many years ago, he said, that after the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you never hear in Scripture where the disciples begin to waver. And if you read the history in Fox's Book of Martyrs, you see how the disciples died. And many of them gladly sprinted to their burning stakes. Paul, they say, according to history, sprinted to the chopping block. These were ones that were filled with the baptism of fire in the Holy Spirit and turned the known world upside down for the glory of the kingdom of God. They were, they were ordinary men. Even And people say, well, it was just for the last disciple. No, that is wrong theology. Well, that says tongues will cease, prophecies will cease, and all this. Yeah, but it also said that knowledge would increase. Is knowledge still increasing? So that scripture is not referencing our day now. It's talking about the completion of time when Jesus comes back. You need to know the context of what scripture's saying, okay? So you've got, I want to help you see it so that you understand that, hey, it's for me, all right? I can still have it today. But it follows a process called repentance. Uh, I've seen people that got saved on a Sunday morning, uh, got filled with the Holy Spirit right after salvation with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and then went into the water of baptism on the same Sunday. I don't want to say that this might mess with people, but people that understand uh, sports, they got the hat trick all in a Sunday morning. So... It's, it, but salvation steps with him. People say, well, I don't want to embrace, this is demonic. And listen, I understand what you've been taught, but have you ever asked the question why? I know what I believe, but why do I believe what I believe? The why is important, okay? So 1 Corinthians 14, verses 14 through 15 says this. Paul says, writing to a very charismatic, gifted church that had no, uh, that had no structure, he says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. He's not talking about 
If I pray, if I pray in Spanish, if you understand Spanish and you pray Spanish, you understand Spanish in your understanding. He's saying, if I pray in a, in a holy heavenly language, my spirit prays, but my mind doesn't understand what I just prayed. That's a great thing about God. God needs to bypass your mind sometimes so it doesn't interfere with the plan of God. Here's the problem. Most of us, we want to understand God before we actually embrace the mystery of God. But you can't do that. Your mystery, and I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I'm just going to jump in the, deep into the pool anyway. The mystery of God has to be greater than the understanding of God. I've said this often in the book of Hebrews. It says, by faith, we understand. It did not say, we understand by faith. So in Scripture, it bypasses my intellect and says, I've got to believe before I can ever understand. You, as an American westernized church, we all have to understand, I have to give up my right to understand. Well, it's my right. Well, I've got my rights. Yeah, of course you do, but God doesn't have to abide by your rights. If it's in his word, he'll abide by it. Because the Bible said he's elevated his word above every bit of his name. Because his word is supreme, all right? So if he said it, then he's bound to perform it. If Paul says, I, I, my, my mind is unfruitful, so what shall I do? Paul lets us know right here. So I will pray with my spirit. That is a heavenly language. But I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing. That's a mess with some of you. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing in my understanding. Just a quick breakdown because a lot of people get to Corinthians and they don't fully understand what's happening in this. Well, Paul said, well, if you speak in tongues, you've got to have an interpreter. If one of the nine power gifts of the Holy Spirit is functioning in a church. Now, let me break that down really quick. Have you ever been in one of our services or, boy, I got to, all right, easy. I understand what P Bishop said, Pastor, when he says some things and he's like, I got to filter this, I got to filter this. You ever been in services where it gets really quiet? There's a holy hush. And all of a sudden, there comes somebody in the room with a gift of a tongue that goes forth. That is a prophetic gift. It's a prophetic uh, um, utterance that's given into the church. And God always gives the interpretation to two to three in the room. And actually, he always gives the tongue to two to three in the room. It's just the one with faith steps out and is used by the gift. This is what Paul's talking about. Look. If there's going to be the gift of a tongue go forth in a service where it is a prophetic word to the church, I've already given the interpretation to two to three in the, in, in the building. He said, out of the mouth of two to three witnesses, let every word be established. That tongue goes forth, somebody will interpret. They have to interpret that. Now, there is the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit that is evidenced by tongues where we see the apostles in the upper room. And it goes well on beyond that. I'll give you examples in a moment. That is a personal prayer language that God has given you through the baptism. How many of you have got your prayer language? You pray in the Holy Spirit. It's not gibberish. It may sound like it to others. It is your personalized prayer language. And I'm just going to tell you, it's the long lost language of heaven that he's given to you that's been restored from Zephaniah 3.9. I don't have time to teach that. And I probably shouldn't introduce it to you. But there is, it, it has been restored back to the church. Why did God choose tongues? Pastor Eddie said it. Same with me. He's my father, and so I'm going to tell you I have no clue. But he chose that in, in whatever regard that he did. So Paul says, I'm going to pray in my prayer language. I'm going to, I'm going to pray in my, in my understanding. I'm going to sing in my prayer language, and I'm going to pray and sing in my... We, we just sung in our understanding just a few moments ago, okay? So, but there are some misconceptions, according to people, that struggle with tongues and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
about the, the gift of tongues. And why do most people not get filled? Why do people, a lot of times it happens because it's a mental block. I was talking with Tyler uh, earlier this week, and, and uh, um, he was telling me, he said, for a long time, first off, it's maybe the way you were raised, what you were taught, but it was a mental block for him. Uh, and, and I mean, when, when it came, it came like a, a, was you guys at home? I'm sorry to pull it. Actually, both of y'all, thank you, Lord. But, it, but it, it's, it's awesome. Sometimes you get along with the Lord in your personal prayer time. There's been so many people that's been filled with the baptism and the Holy Spirit in their own personal prayer time. Um, but a lot of times it could be because of something you were taught growing up. Well, God doesn't do that anymore. Can I, in the words of a, I don't know if I should even share this, but you know what? Y'all are my first crowd. I love you. You're, you're, you're probably, you're, hopefully you're grounded. <laughs> you love Jesus? I better ask that question. I want to keep my, my, my calling. <laughs> I'm going to say my job, but it's not a job. That's a calling. So, and Batman begins. <laughs> I repent right now for watching Batman. There is a crime boss of all people. He says something, and it, it stuck with me all that many times, and it's pertained to different things, and I've said it. You always fear what you don't understand. There's always a fear attached to what I don't understand. And when you walk with God, there is a trust that is established. And so it doesn't matter where the Spirit leads. As he leads, you will follow, right? But so many times people are not walking in relationship with God, so they don't trust God. So when something happens, they immediately shake their fist at God and say, why, why, why? Instead of saying, you know what? I don't understand this right now, but I know God's good. So when it comes to a fear, when I read Scripture, everything in Scripture, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you examples, it backs up the baptism in the Holy Spirit with an evidence of tongues. You, if you fear it, why would he give this to you to empower you to be a witness? I believe the devil wants, and, I, and let me just say this. Man, this is, I believe that if pastors don't teach this, that you're robbing your people from an experience, and it's actually a part of your armor. I will not rob you of this, and so if it offends you, I'm sorry, but I'm going to teach you truth. Because I want to stand before God with my hands clean and know that I taught them, Father, on the baptism of your fire that was able to transform their family, their children, and future generations to come. I will not, I will not, I will be unashamed of the tongues of fire that I've been blessed with. It's a, it's a heritage in my family. It's a legacy. Yes, I was raised in it, but it was like God hit the resort, reset button for me back in uh, 2009, and I began to see Scripture like I've never seen it. I was able to look at Scripture and viewpoints of salvation, water baptism, and Holy Spirit baptism, and see the why behind the what I believed. All right? You read it for yourself, but you ask God. God, teach me. If this preacher is telling the truth, you show it to me. All right? The first, I said fear. The second thing is misrepresentation. How many times have we seen this misrepresented? I've said this for, for quite a few years, that the gifts of the Spirit can be like giving a four-year-old a shotgun. Uh, if you don't know, because they're powerful gifts, gifts of prophecy, the gifts of healing, the gifts of, uh, of, uh, of all different sorts of types. Uh, you look at the nine that's listed there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If it's not handled correctly and a mature believer does not function correctly, it's like giving my, my three-year-old daughter a shotgun and saying, don't pull that trigger. Don't pull that trigger. Well, what's she going to do? She's going to pull that trigger at some point, and she's going to hit somebody. It may hit a few people and hurt a lot of people. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's not a me, me, me gift. It's not the gift of saying, look at me. I'm going to pray loud in a service where everybody can hear me and bring it all. But it was like, well, I just couldn't help myself. 
let me stop you right there. The Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Well, it's talking about a prophet. Yeah, but if a prophet, well, I couldn't help, I had to prophesy. No, you can too, and you're held accountable for everything you say. It could be with any of the gifts of the spirit. I can and it's not that I'm trying to quench anything, but I am thinking in all things to, 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 to be in line with what God's saying, what he wants to do within the, the gathering of the saints. Because in this room, you may not know it, but there's things that you're receiving right now that I may not even be saying, but it's coming from God, direct line to you. So the gathering of the saints, we steward well. We want to steward these moments very well, and we want to do things uh, in decent and in order. So, yes, we can control that. So misrepresentation, people, they don't receive it because of that or, or it's because of fear. Um, so what about your prayer language? Well, your prayer language is a pure language. That's a direct line of communication straight to God when you pray in the Holy Spirit. That's why we encourage that to do it on your daily basis. It is an impartation that we can't describe. Now, I've seen people pray in the Holy Spirit and in tongues and be mean as a snake. You still got an attitude. <laughs> you got to work that thing through. Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not my end all. That's my prayer language. But the fruit of the Spirit is what I should be functioning in. I don't have time for that, but you understand. So let me just, this will not be in your notes, but I'm going to give it to you. So why do we bother? Well, the, the, let me tell you. Because it's the open door for more. This is the open door. The baptism in the Holy Spirit and your prayer language after that baptism, it is the open door for receiving the more of what God has to give you. Do you want the fullness? Everybody, we want, I want everything, God. I need everything. It's not that I want it. I need it. In this day and age, it's getting darker. There's one church that's compromising and walking into this vein of greasy grace, and you can do what you want to, and God doesn't care. And then there's this other church that says, no, we're going to call it out. We're going to say that's not right, and we're going to walk straight ahead. This is the church that we want to be, right? So why bother? Because God opens that door for more. It's also the power to function in the kingdom of God. You understand that you're citizens of another kingdom. It's not just a church. You are an ambassador. You are a citizen of a kingdom called heaven. This is your constitution. Really is. Many of us know more of our American constitution than we know scriptural constitution. And that needs to flip a little bit. Because kingdom is completely different than what we, you, you have to go down to consider to be going up in the kingdom of God. It's inverted. It's the power to function. The Holy Spirit, let me say this, the Holy Spirit is in you. For your sake. So in John 4, the Bible says that Jesus is at the well. He's talking to the woman at the well. She says, give me, give me this water. And, um, and he says, this will be bubbling up in you into a well of eternal life. So there is a well. What is that we're speaking to? It speaks to salvation. And John 4, it's a well inside of me. So he's in me for my sake. That means he's in me for salvation. Break it down a little bit more. I don't go to hell because I got the Spirit of God in me. Okay? It's a get out of hell free card. I don't call him a card, but you understand what I'm saying. I repent, and the Holy Spirit comes in. I'm saved, right? So John 4, it's a well. But just a few chapters further, it becomes a river. So what is he referring to? Well, in Acts chapter, uh, in Acts chapter 5, verse 15, it talks about that Peter's shadow starts falling on those who are sick. So what is second? I thought the Holy Spirit was in us. Yeah, he is. But he also is on me. He's in me for my sake, but he comes on me. I'm overshadowed by him. Or you can call it the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon my life. For what purpose? To be an empowered witness. Jesus told him, he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you've been endued with power from on high. 
The Old Testament, I love the story of, uh, the story of Gideon. The Bible says that, that Gideon, um, the, the Holy Spirit uh, clothed Gideon. And that word clothed can be like that he put him on like a glove and began to use him for the purposes of the kingdom. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit, yeah, well, it, it, there's an initial evidence of tongues, but it clothes me with power because he wants me to become an empowered witness to wherever I am. That's the point and the purpose of the baptism. So he's in me for salvation for my sake, but he comes on me for the sake of those around me. Right? You with me? You got it? So just a few things here. The first thing about your prayer language and why bother is it's, it's logical. You're part of a kingdom. Okay? It's, it makes sense. Every kingdom, every kingdom has a common language. Overseas, Every kingdom has a common language. They speak a specific language. That means that it's reasonable to us, right? The second thing is this. Is it sensible? Every kingdom has a secure means of communication. Will you understand, for the most part, what people are saying at times? In the South, we, we, we like to draw some things out. You know, it's funny. I, I heard a story. A guy, I used to do construction back, in, uh, back years ago. <laughs> and there was an older gentleman. We loved him. He was so funny. And uh, he, I think he, third grade education is what he had, but he was a worker. He worked circles around you. And he's an older gentleman. And it's like when I, when I hired him, it was, he was really old at the time, but he was definitely a lot older by the time I left there. And one of our other guys, we were sitting there having lunch with him one day, and he started saying, over or down there? Oh, let me, over there, down there. But he didn't say over there, down there. He said, over or down there. And one of the guys said, you know, the bad thing about that, I knew exactly where he was talking about. <laughs> so in the South, we got some things we say. And it may be hard to pick up on every once in a while, a lot of the time. Even I have no clue. It's, it's what people are saying. But I believe that's a circular means of communication. In other words, that it produces a benefit. It's sensible. It produces a benefit. And the third thing is that it's practical. Every kingdom has power. Every kingdom has power. Now, that is the word that means delegated authority and power. Well, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is exousia. That's the Greek word, authority. That means you've been delegated authority and power. When Jesus gave his disciples power over, uh, uh, over sickness and diseases to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, all of those things... He gave them delegated power. Well, the Holy Spirit, when I, when I am filled and baptized and clothed, I receive two forms. You ready? The first one, this is not in your notes, I receive dunamis power. That is the power for outward miracles and manifestations. So I can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Well, what if they don't? But what if they do? <laughs> would, it, would you pray? There's 100 people up here in line, and they have some form of sickness. Would you Stop at 99 and not see anything happen uh, and know that the last one did get healed? Would you stop? This is not a trick question. Would you pray all the way through? Yes. yes. I would lay hands up on every one of them and pray my guts out to the point to where I see it. And then that last one gets healed. Did it make it worth it? Absolutely. Because they're no longer struggling with the sickness. So it's the outward manifestation. I received the dunamis power. That's why people, he's an infinite God. So when he comes upon this finite body, things happen. Some people shake. Well, that's just fake. I just don't know. He's infinite. I promise you. I promise you. When you stand before God and you can see him for the first time, I'm going to tell you, I'll probably be in the floor weeping because I finally get to see Jesus. 
I finally looked, get to look at his eyes. You don't know where I came from. Many of you don't. You don't know of the restless, tough nights that I've had. So when I'm passionate about this, yes, I am, because I'm thankful for where he brought me from. If it had not been for Jesus, I'm telling you, if it had not been for the one that shed his precious blood so that my sins could be forgiven. So, yes, I want your fire. That's why John the Baptist said this. He said, you got a baptism that I need. And Jesus says, I, we, we can't get into that right now, John. He and John said, well, permit it to be so. I'll baptize you in my baptism. He has a baptism that we all need. It's not a question of if, do I need it? Do you need it? No, to, to go to heaven? No, you don't. That may mess with some people, but you don't. Because once you repent and you get saved and you give your life to Jesus, you're saved. Your, your eternity is sealed in that moment. And I, getting into that, I was eternally insecure from time to time. I vacillated, saved, not saved, saved, not saved, depending on what I did on the weekend. So anyway, but that baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire, man, I'm telling you what, I pray in it every day. I pray in the Holy Spirit every day. I pray in it during worship. I ain't going to pray it over the mic because I don't want to freak some of you out, but I'm, 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 I'm praying in the moments. Holy Spirit, you got to move. I got to have you. You got to do something. I'm not good enough. And, I, and I, I've always said this, and I stole this from somebody, but here, here's the thing. Somebody, you do something for the Lord, and somebody comes up and says, man, that was so good. No, that was not me. That was all God. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're good, but you're not that good. If it was all God, we'd all be laid out on the floor because he's infinite, right? But, but he, he's, so, he's so amazing. Why would I not want the fullness of who he is? Why would I want to leave something off the table when there's more available for me? I want to draw nearer. Draw me nearer to you, Lord, to your precious bleedings. I want everything, God. I want to see the eyes of flaming fire. Well, you'll get to see that in heaven. Yeah, but I believe God can open my eyes to see it in this time. As I pray, you can give me spiritual eyes to see what's taking place around the throne of God right now. I can see things that I pray it all the time. God, let me see things that others can't see so that I can do things that others say can't be done. So that they can prove that we're going to make your name famous in this area. God is so good. So every kingdom has power. Jesus is talking to his apostles and says, go wait. In Jerusalem, you'll be endued with power. Are they already believers? Are they? Yeah. Why else would you go somewhere somebody tells you to go? I think the moment that he walked through the wall, they said, okay, I'm freaked out, but we believe. <laughs> so they're already believers. Then in the book of Acts, we see an outpouring that comes on. By your, their hearts are already convinced and persuaded that he is who he says he is. Here, let's talk about the initial sign of the, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about it, speaking in tongues. And, and we'll give you that uh, just a moment. But I want to give you something in, in theology. I'm not going to dig deep into this. But there is something that's called the law of first mention. The law of mentions, the law of first mention. Anybody familiar with that? That means in Scripture... Anytime, the first time God did something that's very important, you need to look at that. Anytime God did something for the very first time, you look at that, you make sure, where can I reference that? Just for those of you that's studying to go deeper in the Lord, look and see. I mean, however he did, whatever he did in script from the very beginning all the way to this point, it was very, 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 very important. This means the first mention often establishes a precedent, a pattern, or a biblical concept that occurs throughout the rest of the Bible. So we see in the book of Acts, what happens in the upper room? There are tongues that go forth. And we see this in Acts chapter 2. You ready? These are going to be on the side screen. Should be. Acts 2, 
Acts chapter 8 with Philip when Philip goes down to Samaria. Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 18 or 19. Okay? In every one of these instances, we see a common denominator in every one of them. Let me just read Acts uh, chapter 8 and verse 12. Acts 8 and verse 12 and a few verses here says, But when they believed Philip, he was preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. It says, Both men and women were amazed. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard in Samaria that they had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Now they're already believers. Listen to this next part. For he had not yet fallen on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they believe. They've been baptized, but yet he hasn't fallen on any of them. Verse 17, they begin laying hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit as he began to. And there was something in that scripture that made Simon the sorcerer say, what is this? I want to purchase it. Because he saw there was an act that took place by laying hands upon them that they were receiving this. Now, Let's look at this. Prayer language brings what? The first thing is this. Your prayer language, once you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have a prayer language. People say, well, I don't know. I just sound like, well, think about it as a toddler. When, when your, your baby begins to speak, they're only saying a few things. You grow in this. Just like your faith is given in a seed, seed form, you're responsible. You, you, faith just don't grow by itself. You're tested. You, resistance makes it grow. So as I'm tested and I believe God for who he is, it grows and expands. Just like your prayer language. You may get just a few syllables, but you practice it. You, you pray in it all the time, and it begins to expand and grow. I, I'm telling you, that's, that's, that's the way mine has worked. But the first thing is this, is it's God's search engine. I know that sounds crazy. We all use Google like it's going out of style, and many of you have probably been Googling through a whole service. Facebook, Twitter, X, whatever it is. I don't know. Checking your emails, checking the lunch menu at Molly Mondays. Who knows? I want to judge, but I'm not. God, I'm not. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the, de the depths of God. One of the, the, I love one of the translations, the deep things of the Holy Spirit, the deeper things of God. So he is like a He As I pray in the Holy Spirit, my mind is praying mysteries to God. And there's things that, that's being downloaded to me spiritually that I would have never known in my understanding. I don't, anybody? Understand what I'm referring to? It's revelation. Revelation is things that's already been there, but they're being revealed to you now. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 and 2, Paul says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God, for no one understands. But in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. So you're praying mysteries. Remember what I talked about the Lord earlier? That the mystery of God has to be greater than your understanding. It's not to say that we don't understand. It's just that the, the mystery of God is always going to be greater than my understanding. Because he's infinite. The moment I fully understand, he ceases to be my God. My brain, man, has become God in my own mind. Okay? So... And when I pray in the Holy Spirit, it is, it is renewal. It is revival personally to myself. Praying in the, and, and we always do this. I, I do. Um, there's two times in the year. There's 30 days in a month. So in, um, in, in the month of uh, May, 
Am I right? I always get confused. June, I'm sorry. The month of June and then the month of November. Praying in the Holy Spirit for 30 minutes a day for 30 days. That's the first thing when I come into to prayer time. That's what I do. I'll pray in the Holy Spirit. Just that whole 30 minutes and everything. Now your mind begins to war because it's like you're thinking about everything. Your understanding is going crazy, but your spirit is praying a perfect prayer unto the Lord. And it's down, God's downloading some things to you. Uh, really good, really good for you d- as a disciple of Jesus. The second thing here is that um, one, one thing that your prayer language brings is a spiritual refreshing. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is a great chapter to start. When verse 4 says, anyone that speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. That means you build yourself up. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. And people will say, so when we have these moments, that's why you have to have the interpretation after the gift of tongues till one person goes forth to the whole of the church. Because they want to know, what was that about? Otherwise, we don't have a clue what they're talking about, right? So anyone who speaks in a tongue to themselves, praying in their prayer language, you're building yourself up. And, uh, and I love what Jude 20, if you're taking notes, make a, a probably on the side screens, but Jude 20 says this, but you... Beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You're building your most holy faith up when you pray in the Holy Spirit, when you pray in that heavenly language God's given you. Number three is this. You have access to the spiritual gifts. Now, I'm going to ask something that I have noticed, and I, I haven't seen people function with great passion in the nine, when I say the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, but specifically those in First Corinthians, I've never seen people tap into those and function in them that have not been filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's my observance. Now, it's probably so people have, but my observation is that when someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, I've watched them go to being, uh, after they receive it, to then starting to prophesy and not even know where it came from because something has been unlocked inside of them. God has tapped into a depth of you. That river is beginning to flow. So it refreshes us, and we function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We have access to those. Paul told us in the scripture, he says, I want you to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. You you have access to this. Um, And he even breaks it down in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 8. There's one that's given the spirit of the message of wisdom, another knowledge, but it's by the same spirit. It's not by different entities. There's one that's given words of wisdom, words of knowledge that know things spiritually that they might not have ever known outside of that. It's not just a whim and a guess, but it's an impression, a gift of the Holy Spirit. And number four, I love this, that it brings revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is not something that's new. So some people, well, he's talking about God doesn't give new revelation. No, it's new to me, but it's always been there. I I, I use this uh, example every every so often. I can cover this podium with a sheet. And first off, you know what it's there, but pretend like you didn't. And you see something there, but you don't know exactly what it is. And I can take the sheet and pull the sheet off, and then you can see it more clearly. It's been revealed to you. That's the revelation. When you're reading scripture, as you're reading through the scripture and all of a sudden something jumps off the page, like, man, I've never seen that before. That's revelation. It's new to you, but it may not be new to me or vice versa. So it's important to ask God, God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Well, what happens as I pray in the Holy Spirit, when I hit my moments, I've learned this from Pastor Eddie, when I hit moments, I don't know what I'm supposed to do or what I'm supposed to prepare for the people, for a message or for whatever situation, I'll pray in the Holy Spirit and it begins to bring revelation to me. There's something inside of me 
me that gets solidified to know, man, wait a second. And I'll journal. I'll write things down. I've wrote things down that have come, up, come to pass that would just blow your mind. Because I was praying in the Holy Spirit and listening and attentive to what the Spirit of the Lord was trying to tell me. He'll give you information. He'll talk to you about your future. He'll talk to you about others so that you can encourage them along the way. That's who he is. So it brings revelation. Look at it from the perspective of John 16. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's not going to speak on his own, but he'll only speak what he hears. And he will tell you what? What is to come. So the Holy Spirit inspired, inspired the scripture, right? That's what the Bible says. So as I pray in the spirit, the word of God can be quickened to my spirit. Um, number five is that it helps to overcome weaknesses. Weaknesses in your personal life. Anybody got any weaknesses or is everybody perfect? Probably so. You got, I'm, so I'm saying that because I want to make sure that nobody's falling asleep on me. Somebody said yes, I think. <laughs> Romans 8 says this. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. There you go. He intercedes. I, 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 those that, inter, that, that are intercessors by prayer, you know what I'm referring to. And I'll say this. This is actually a part of your armor. We talk about the armor of God. We talk about the breastplate, uh, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet, uh, the helmet of uh, salvation, the, my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, the, the shield of faith. But it talks about praying in the spirit in verse 18. And praying in the spirit on what? All occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, this prayer in the spirit, it, it's, yeah, I pray in my understanding absolutely, but I also pray in the Holy Spirit. You are agreeing with God's battle plan to bring victory into your situation. It's part of your armor to pray in the Holy Spirit. And number six, AJ, if you would. Number six um, is this, is that you're praying God's perfect will for your life. People say, well, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. First, backtrack to Romans 12 and verses 1 and 2. You need to go there first. And... As I begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, Romans uh, 8.27 says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind in accordance with the will of God. As I pray, he's talking about praying in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit intercedes for God's people, and I begin to understand, discern, and know the heart of God for my personal life. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2, it says here, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed. No one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Holy Spirit. So it's praying God's perfect will for my life. You may be praying in your natural, God, give me a million dollars. But then in your spirit, as you begin to pray, your spirit man is saying, God, don't give him a million dollars. Because the moment he does, he's going to lose track and completely fall off the grid. He's never going to connect with the people of God anymore, and he'll lose his salvation. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's crazy. That's why I, I start with praying in the Holy Spirit so that my spirit begins to communicate with my understanding as I pray in my understanding. That's a lot. But then all of a sudden, things start making sense. And you pray things that you would have never prayed otherwise. Like, God, yes, I'm going to go give them a vehicle, of course. I'll drop them $500 today on my way home. I'll drop it in their mailbox. Yeah, I'll do it. Because it's what God wants in God's will. 
Now, I want to talk to you about receiving your prayer language because we're going to pray for some of you in just a moment. Here, I told you at the very beginning, Luke 11 and verse 13 says, If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Do you understand that this is a promise? Acts 2.39 says, For the promise is unto you and your children. It didn't stop with the last apostle. It didn't stop with the last one that died in the upper room. It didn't stop with the well. He, they laid hands and it happened. Why is it that we're all continuing to, get in, to, to be filled? Are we deceived? Are we being manipulated? I'm just asking the question because these are questions that we all ask. Well, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Why would God give you something? Why would he give it to the early church and then pull it back? Something you need to think about. You need to pray about. You need to ask God. But I'm telling you, today is your day and for the promises meant for you to have. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're not seeking an experience, but we're looking to receive a gift. There's not an experience to be had. There's not, yes, that's part of it, but it's, it's a gift. And you don't, have to, you don't have to beg for a gift. You just simply receive it, right? You just simply receive the gift that's been given to you. So just really quick, three things for you this morning to receive. The first thing is you need to ask. I want it, God. I'm asking you for it today. I ask you, fill me. I want to be ready and receptive to receive. The second thing is just believe it. So I ask. It's simple. I ask. I believe that it's for me, and I simply receive it when it comes. And then I just speak. I speak the language of the Holy Spirit. I heard uh, one of my favorites said, uh, Pastor Robert Morris said, as many years ago, he was talking on this subject, and he said, he said, uh, someone come to him and said, I just, I can't do it, I can't do it. He said, well, you, it's not, you, it's not in English, so you, you don't expect, in the Holy Spirit, and we've said it before, he's not going to pull your tongue out of your mouth and let it flop back and just give you whatever. It's not how it works. It's received in faith. You have to be the one to speak. Those of you that have been filled, you have to speak, Right? You have to exercise it, and as you do it, the Holy Spirit enables. That's how that works. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.